0: You're listening to The Butterfly Effect Podcast, episode number six. Today, Courtney Berg, my mentor in the nutrition biz, local boss babe, and owner of Vitality Nutrition, is here to discuss, not surprisingly, all the things health and wellness related, which we've learned the listeners are more than eager to hear about. This episode of The Butterfly Effect Podcast is sponsored by Vitality Nutrition. Vitality Nutrition takes the stress out of eating with online or in-person nutrition coaching from registered dietitians and nutritionists. They don't prescribe cookie-cutter diets or tell clients what they can and can't eat. Instead, their goal is to provide clients with the tools, knowledge, and habits to make lasting changes. They support clients with varying levels of nutrition knowledge to reach their health, performance, or weight loss goals and overcome challenges unique to their lifestyle and circumstance. They partner with clients to set milestones, track progress, and celebrate results. They accomplish this through customized services, including one-time assessments and follow-ups, or ongoing accountability through their coaching programs. Vitality Nutrition is excited to be offering new services in the fall of 2018, including online courses and group challenges. Working with Vitality Nutrition means becoming an expert on your unique body and how to fuel it to live your best life. This is the Butterfly Effect podcast, and I'm Ashlyn Newlove, tackling everything from fitness, nutrition, business, life, ice cream cones, and everything else in between to help inspire people to make one change that causes their ripple effect. Welcome to episode number six. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach helping people have fun, keep fit, and reach their goals while they're at it with my online program, The Sweat Effect. If you listen to episode number one, you may already recognize today's host. That episode was such a hit with the listeners, and Courtney and I had so much fun recording it that we decided to make her guest appearances a bit more frequent. And if you haven't listened to it yet, obviously I recommend that you do. So, Courtney, now I'm going to ask you, what is your elevator pitch? What could you tell me about yourself between the floors of the elevator that gives me a good idea of who you are, what you do in
1: 15 seconds or less? Oh, man, that's a good challenge for me. I love to talk, so I can keep it short, I think. I would describe myself as a lifelong nutrition and fitness junkie turned... Dietitian and level two CrossFit coach. So I actually have some designations to back me up now. My passion is empowering clients to identify and implement the lifestyle hacks that provide them with the freedom to live their best life. And really, that means something
0: different to everyone. So if you would like the full version... Of everything about Courtney, you can go to episode number one and she details everything there and also talks about a little cooking video that she may have done back in the day that she has recently got her hands on and has promised to post for people to see. That's correct?
1: Yes. So I got my mom to dig into the archive of the old Windows 98 computer on the farm and she was able to dig up this video and she sent it to me. So when the podcast comes out, I'm going to have to post It because it's super funny. And it's just so interesting how confident I was back then. And I almost wish I could have or embrace that confidence now. It's pretty funny.
0: She just showed me a little clip of it, actually. And the way she speaks in it is actually how she talks now today in her videos. It's so funny. So I can't wait for you guys to see it. And I want to watch the whole thing. So when this episode comes out, Courtney's also going to post the video on her Vitality page so everybody can also see it as well. Well, you know how in every other podcast, people usually bring on guests to ask them questions. Well, we'll be doing a little bit of that, but I'll also be bringing on guest hosts to put me under the microscope and bring topics to the podcast that interest them and to ask me all of the questions that they've been dying to know. So Courtney, I'm going to let you take over from here. So I was trying to
1: figure out what questions I wanted to ask Ash, and I came up with a great idea stolen from Tim Ferriss. So anyone who's a health, fitness, and nutrition junkie will have heard the name Tim Ferriss. So to quote Wikipedia, Tim Ferriss is an American author, entrepreneur, and a public speaker. He's written all kinds of blog articles and a number of self-help books. I think his most popular one is actually the four-hour work week, and I had never got through this book, but I know Ash likes
0: it. I love that book.
1: Yeah, I'm (laughs) honestly I would be happy to have a 40 hour work week, let alone whittle it down to four hours. Um, But Tim has another book and it's called Tribe of Mentors. And in this book, Tim asks hundreds of brilliant people the hard questions that he wanted answered for himself. And I love how he described um, how he came to this idea. And it's that he's always looking for the simpler way to go about a problem. So instead of figuring out these tough answers for himself, he thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to ask people who've clearly figured it out. Uh, So Tim came up with 11 Questions to Ask Some of the World's Most Successful Athletes, Entrepreneurs, and Experts. He collected their answers and created this book called Tribe of Mentors. Today, I'm going to ask you those 11 questions. Some of the questions might seem simple or vague, but they can definitely open the gates for deeper thoughts and topics. I actually asked you some of these questions on episode one of the podcast, but maybe you have some new answers, as I know you're always changing, evolving, and growing. So let's roll into it and see what we come up with. All right. I'm excited for this. All right. Question number one. What is the book, or you can give me a few books, you've given most often as a gift?
0: As a gift or as a recommendation, because I don't give a lot of books as gifts, it- seems I read a lot of my stuff uh, electronically nowadays Mm -hmm. and there's nothing like personal about giving someone an ebook I don't find, (laughs) but one that was lent to me and I have talked about this book before was The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and my friend Jesse lent it to me and I really love that book because it kind of embraces everything that is me and especially everything in this past year that I have really embraced as well. Just not giving a shit about what other people thought of what I was doing, because I feel like that's where it holds people back a lot from, you know, getting out there and doing the things that they're passionate about. Um, I even had, so Jill uh, Duncombe on the podcast, and she's passionate about her podcast website. And she had never, you know, said it out loud that maybe someday that she wanted that to be like her main gig. And it was her fear of, you know, what other people thought that was kind of holding her back from that. And I thought, you know, that was amazing. You know, she put it out there into the world now. And, I mean she was kind of forced into it because I asked her on a public podcast. <laughs> but it's those types of things and it's what he's talking about is not the fact that you know you don't care about anything in life and I, because I do obviously care about a lot of things, it's mainly about caring about the right amount of things and caring about the right things. So the things that are going to help you grow and do things to your best ability as opposed to caring about the things that might hold you back from, you know, doing, just living your best life. Um, so that's the one that, that has been lent to me, a gift to me that uh, I enjoy the most. But if we're talking about a book that influenced me, you already talked about it. And the one is the four hour work week um, by Tim Ferriss. So I listened to it on an audiobook and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I mean, it's not necessarily about only working a four hour week. And 10 years ago, I wouldn't have even dreamed of, you know, not working at least 40 hours a week. So I used to own a business then and um, I worked all the time. I opened the store up. Worked for, you know, eight or nine hours there. And then in the evenings, I would go to my waitressing job because I was trying to make a go of my business and try to make more money at another job. So, you know, I could really invest and keep as much money in the business as I could. So I was probably working 80 hours a week and you know, at 25, it didn't seem like a big deal to, you know, work until three o'clock in the morning, maybe get to bed at four and then be up because you had to be open mall hours for our store. And so I had to, I would get up at nine and because I live really close to the store too, and be at work for 9 30. And it wasn't as big of a deal. Now, that's a whole different story. <laughs> I can't survive on four or five hours of sleep. And I also, I'm not a single girl anymore. I have to, you know, I spend my time with my family, being, you know, my husband and. I think as business owners, that's where people have to find the balance. So if they can find the most efficient ways to run their business and cut back on some of the processes, and then they can share that other time with their loved ones, and that can be friends and stuff too, then that was kind of more the basis of his book, right? Being the most efficient version of yourself when you have to spread your time out into different things so while I don't think I'll ever get to a four-hour work week because I'm the same way I do love what I do um I I feel like I can also maybe automate things and still be doing as good of a job just not eating up so much of my time
1: totally and then those are hours you can invest elsewhere in the business
0: and I think that comes like that's where your creativity comes from too right so if you're and think about your business. Okay, so you're answering emails, you're you're deep into an email and you're just thinking about that one thing. Like it's hard to come up with a new idea or something that you want to add to your business when you're so focused on one stream of things. So and obviously you can't automate emails, like that's just not how your business works. But in other areas, if you can automate things, and I know that mm-hmm. you as we talked about um in in your business ad you're adding new programs to your business. And so you got those ideas and you've learned how to make those a little bit more efficient. And now you can spread your nutrition knowledge with more people. And I think that's the whole goal of it. Being able to get your knowledge and advice out to as many people as possible. Would you say that's a pretty accurate
1: description? Absolutely. The more people that I can help, just fills me with so much happiness. So that's kind of where the idea for this extra course and challenges came about. But like you said, I was so busy working in my business that I had no time to work on my business. So streamlining the way I did things gave me a few more hours in my week so I could start to develop these courses and challenges and programs.
0: Yeah. And because of that, more people can change their lives. So it might not be direct one-on-one Courtney time, but you're giving them all the tools that they'll need to make a significant impact on their life. So that's huge. And I have to say one more book because this one was probably the most influential was How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the title kind of is... I don't know, people get the wrong idea about it, but it's not just about business or anything. It's about relationships with your friends and even with your spouse and things like that. And it's just how to communicate better with people. So, and I think in the world that we live in today with so much technology and things like that, that sometimes things get miscommunicated. And also, sometimes people just aren't listening. So, if you can really listen to someone, they appreciate it. And I try to, you know, put that out into the world now. I listened to it and everything he said, and I don't know, have you ever, have you read that one? I haven't. Oh, we're on opposite. So you've read Tribe of Mentors and I haven't, and it is on the to-do list. Um, But these, yeah, the four hour work week and how to win friends and influence people. They were also recommended to me by like businessy type people in the podcast that I listened to. And because I wanted it on an audiobook. I actually pulled up YouTube videos of people reading it and listened to it on my in my headphones when I was walking. So it wasn't even an audiobook. It was listening to it on YouTube talk about efficiency getting that (laughs) walk-in and getting your audiobook in you
1: know what how to win friends and influence people is probably one of the top books that's recommended and it's just the rebel nature in me that's like oh everyone's (laughs) recommending it I'm gonna put it on the bottom of my reading list so I need to bump that up to the top because I will say that
0: the voice in the YouTube video is very monotone so you got to be really into it but it's an older book like I don't even know what year that that was written
1: I'm gonna say like 80s or 90s but I'm just guessing like it's been around for a while I want to say even older
0: than that actually it's older
1: than you Ash
0: been older than me <laughs> but yes I know in your rebel so I will tell you Courtney you shouldn't read how to win friends and influence people you'll hate it that's perfect I'm gonna <laughs>
1: pick it up after this and start reading. (laughs) On to question two. And I asked you this one last time, but maybe it's changed. So we'll see. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months?
0: Well, as you guys know, I moved since our last podcast. So I didn't really buy a whole bunch of things in the last six months. I mainly purged and I kind of I'm a perpetual purger. I'm always purging things. I was even purging again last night. Like things that I like are new to me I was purging. I don't know why. But I just have this need to like, I, it, I wouldn't say live a minimalist lifestyle, but like have less things. But one thing that I did buy, and it was slightly more than $100, was a new wetsuit because <laughs> we've moved to the lake. We spend a lot of time in the boat and I was freezing cold all the time. And it was just like ruining our time out there because as soon as I got wet, then I was, just, I was so cold. I was literally freezing. So I went and bought a wetsuit and now it just changed my life. And people are like, it's 30 degrees out today. How are you freezing cold? I was, I was so cold. I, I couldn't even explain it. So that was the one thing that I purchased but if I still had to go back to something that was under $100, it's changed my life like that I've purchased like since the fall. So, you know, in the last nine months, it's still my sage um, essential oils diffuser. I run it at night with like my special nighttime oils and I noticed such a difference in my sleep. And as you know, I'm a totally different human when I get a good sleep, which I know that pretty much everybody is. For me, it is so apparent. Like even a one hour difference, I definitely notice it. And I was getting a little bit like, I'll call it lazy. I wasn't filling it up before I went to bed and starting it. And I was wondering why I was having such shitty sleeps at night. Started using it again in the last couple of weeks. I'm literally dead to the world when it's on. And I know anybody else who uses essential oils and diffusers can probably attest to that. Um, My friend Jen was telling me one time that she went and got some oils and then she was having like these crazy, crazy dreams at night. It was putting her so deep into sleep that she was having these dreams that were even waking her up. And when she took the oils back in to ask them about them, they said that they, in fact, can have that effect on people where they're putting you into such a deep sleep that you start having these crazy dreams. So it works. I know some people think it's voodoo, hippie, whatever, but amazing.
1: Well, you know what? I'll throw some science at that. Well, science secondhand to me from some of my close friends who are actually um, in med school right now. So my friend told me that you're sense of scent is actually your strongest link to your memory so when I think about the essential oils I have to think like if you associate them with sleep and you smell that whatever consistent smell you're using it might trigger you to fall asleep so something I'm like Pavlov's dogs
0: is what you're saying that's what I'm saying it's like ringing it's like ringing the bell and then my mouth is watering (laughs) (laughs) Totally. You know what? I
1: have a Sage diffuser. I don't use it as consistently as I should, but their Peppermint Halo Rollerball is something that I gift to everyone. And if you're someone who has a lot of fitness enthusiasts in your life and you need a birthday gift or a Christmas present, buy them the Peppermint Halo Rollerball for them to put on their traps and shoulders. It's feels so good.
0: It's a great gift. I even find if I'm having, okay, so say I'm a little tense and stressed out, I'll put the peppermint roll on my neck and it does help, you know, kind of bring me down a little bit. So that's another thing that I'll say. I put the peppermint halo on, so I like put it on my neck and then I've got the immune like rollerball because I am... I got really sick when we were in Bali and I tried to take really good care of my immune health because it totally deteriorated. Courtney can attest. I was sick for a very long time after it happened. I got cholera. It really affected my um, good gut bacteria, which... I'll roll it even back further. I had been on some antibiotics. I'd had my wisdom teeth taken out, and they—I had an infection, so we had to increase the strength of the antibiotics. So that already compromised my immune system a bit, my good my good gut bacteria. Then um, we were traveling, and I got conjunctivitis, aka pink eye, and had to go on some eye antibiotics. So all of those antibiotics just brought my immune system down. When I got to Bali, and I don't know if it was ice in a drink because I I wouldn't just drink a glass of water when I'm over there, but I will have, I'd order a cocktail somewhere and it would have ice in it. So I don't know if it was from that or the way, you know, the vegetables were washed or whatever. I got sick and sick, sick, sick. Like <laughs> I had to also go on more antibiotics for that. And after, when I came off of that and when I finally started feeling better, I was picking up, every cold and flu bug that there was around so I'm pretty particular about my immune health now because it was like a terrible it affected everything it affected my sleep it affected my fitness because I was so weak I lost a bunch of weight like I lost like 10 pounds in less than a month and like not healthy a healthy 10 pounds so, yeah, I'm, I'm super careful about hand washing and things like that. I sound like a germaphobe, but it was honestly a horrible time in my life where I was just constantly sick. So I put the immune roll. I don't know if it is actually doing anything, but I put it on and then I put like there's another roller called Sleep Well. I put it on my feet and then I turn my diffuser on and I've got pillows positioned under my knees so I don't roll onto my sides because... My bad shoulder and my bad back. It's best if you sleep on your back. I really sound old right now when I say your
1: eye mask, your <laughs> ear plugs, your fan. Ash
0: has the sleep routine down. My uh, blackout curtains. Yeah, I do. I take it seriously. But if I were to say of one thing that I do want to purchase, I just haven't yet. There are these. Um, blue light emitting glasses that you can get and if you spend a lot of time on your computer or devices they say that they are supposed to save your eyes and also help you from squinting which essentially saves you from getting wrinkles or help it it helps the process a bit so that's on my list so that might be my the next time you ask me this question that might be my next thing I'm going to try them out anyways.
1: I haven't looked into them, but I would think that'd help with circadian rhythm and sleep as well if you're blocking out the blue light, especially before bed. Well, and you had tried an app too on your computer, hadn't you? It's called Flex. So it, yeah, it dims the blue light on your screen and it'll kick in uh, if you're working on your computer late before bed. I always turn it off when I'm working because it's so annoying because it's harder to see. But the whole point of it is so that it's a little bit harder to see and blocking the blue light. So I don't know why I always
0: exit it out. I have my phone set to that because you can set it on. I think it's night shift mode. So my phone does it, not my computer. And I don't know if actually dimming the screen helps anything. Probably doesn't turn down the blue light. It just dims the actual brightness. So I'm going to try that because I agree too. It's not like the way the amount we spend on our devices and, and things like that now I is probably having some very poor effects on different things that we maybe aren't even certain of yet. So I think we should try just a little bit to prevent those things and I'll see. Who knows? I can't get any better sleep. Honestly, my sleep is amazing and you're jealous. (laughs)
1: Maybe don't download the Flux app on your computer. You might not need it. But for those people who, you know, in an ideal world, you wouldn't be working on your computer late, but try telling an entrepreneur or someone who's really busy um, that they can't work on their computer when they need to get some stuff done. So if you're that person and shutting off screens just isn't an option for you, try the Flux app on your computer
0: um, and it might help. I know I should have done that when you told me to get it. I just didn't do it yet. and. I think it's a good thing. All right. Question three.
1: How has a failure or a parent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure?
0: Well, one of my greatest fears in life was failure. And I've come a little bit more to terms with that, you know, in these last couple of years, you know, as I've grown now into this person that I am today, which is a lot different than I was two years ago, even. Because I thought failure was embarrassing. But when I think about it now, it's more like, at least I tried. I'm doing, I'm putting myself out there. I'm doing more things that, you know, other people wouldn't even consider doing. But one thing that for years really bothered me was the unsuccess of our clothing store that we owned, Uh, like if somebody even like mentioned the name or mentioned anything, I just cringed. It was a sore spot with me. It was, you know, I felt like I had let so many people down. And I think that's what failure is, right? The, like, the fear of letting others down. And that goes not giving a shit about, that's not what that means, right? I still hold value in people's opinion that are important to me. So if I'm to let those people down, that hurts me. And yeah, like even when we finally decided to shut it down, shut the store down, and we were going to sell the rest of the clothes and, you know, like all the racks and things like that, it was easy for me to tell people, oh, we just sold the store. Like I was working too many hours when in all reality, it was a money pit. And I've never really talked about this, like, publicly. I know I've mentioned it to Courtney one time, and I think I've talked about it with Curtis maybe one time. So it's not something that I've, like, gone around telling people about. But yeah, it was it was a hard... And I did work really hard, and I worked long hours. And then I would go, like I said, and waitress in the evenings. And so I compromised friendships and sleeps and going to events. And I was working all the time, and I really, really wanted to make it successful, but... In hindsight, one, like retail is so hard now. So, anybody who is making a successful go of um, a, a locally run clothing store, like I commend you. It is so hard these days, and everyone has everything on sale. And you almost need that one thing that makes you stand out. And what I was trying to do was be too much like everybody else. So, why would. People shop at my store if it was no different than, let's say, below the belt, but then below the belt, I'll have a big sale on because they can, you know, cut their margins because they're buying mass loads of products and getting them for cheaper. But then I couldn't do that because then I'm losing money on the product. And yeah, I did hold on to it for the store for too long. Um, We just, it was like maybe this next month, maybe this next month. Now, I have learned some things from, from that experience also just being older, but it did help me to just know how to work, just, you know, being the hardest worker out there. So that was something that it did. It kind of dulled my shine for a little bit. It it kind of, I went and just worked a nine to five job after that, which I hated um, because I just have that, that need in me to like be an entrepreneur and like be out there expanding my horizons and chasing my passion. But for me, I just needed for a little bit and I worked, I worked a job for like, I don't know, it was over two years for sure. Every day the alarm clock went off. I'd wake up and think, can I call in sick for work today? And when you look back on that, you're like, oh, boy. And if you're doing that now, this is like the change in your life that you need to make. If you are waking up and thinking I don't want to go to work today every day, you need to make a change. And I'm not saying you need to become an entrepreneur by any means, but you need to find a new job, you know? And it's that's being it's scary making that change, but if you can do it, I 100% cuz I know you can I know you can relate to this because when do you ever wake up and think I do not want to work today.
1: I feel so lucky that that hasn't happened to me. I love my business and I love vitality. So very rarely, if ever, have I woken up with that feeling of dread, like, I don't want to do this today. Can I
0: make it through this day? Yeah. Yeah. And like the things that you do are, you know, although similar, still different on a daily basis. So, That was just, but I just needed something to like bring me back to like a regular nine to five because I was working all those hours and I was just like, I guess I kind of wanted to, I felt like I was taking back control of my life that maybe I had given 100% to this business that let me down. So I needed that for a bit. And then after those two years, I was like, okay, I need to go back to doing my thing again, you know, trying to... Then there's nothing more that like you're, you have worked super hard and you have got the service that people needed from you almost immediately. Like even before you were done school, people were like, I would like to hire you as my nutrition coach. Like I want to work with you. I want your knowledge. And they knew who you were because in the CrossFit community, you, you're an influencer. People know who you are and they're like, she obviously knows what she's doing. I want to take nutrition advice from her. So, but when I started mortgages, nobody knew who I was. So it was like, you better hustle and hustle in a different way than you hustle. You expand on your business every day and you know what your clients want and want to see from you. And you can be creative that way. Mine was like, hustle to pay the bills. So it was hard, but good because it, relit that flame for me like you better be up getting your things done putting those hours in getting that business so it was an interesting like few years transition between you know owning the store having that come crashing down on me and going to work nine to five for a while back into being ready to like kick my butt right back into gear again so I guess that's where That kind of taught me, you know, how to be who I am today and how to work hard.
1: It's crazy that you say you have a fear of failure because I always see you as so fearless. But I guess it makes sense coming from something that didn't work out. And it's kind of funny that I met you right in the middle of it. Almost when you were in your recovery mode after that failure, you took like two years to recover your mindset before maybe you were brave enough to jump back in to being an entrepreneur
0: that's actually a really good way to word it. it. It was my recovery. I was just like, I can't do this again. Like, and it was the, I guess the fear of having another failure after that. So also my parents had supported me a lot and, How was I going to start another business with no money? And I obviously couldn't turn to them and ask them for more money to help me start another business when the last one was a failure. And I think that's the hardest part in this whole thing was that I felt like I let them down. And, you know, that was tough. Like, no one wants to be like, I feel like a failure to my parents. So, that you were right, that nine to five for me was my recovery. And, It was just a little break from it, but it was also my realization that that's what I needed back in my life again. So, yeah, it set me up to be the person that I am today. You know, and the listeners
1: might not know this, but it was pretty vulnerable for you to open up about that right now because really we're pretty close friends and we've only chatted about it one other time. That heart to heart that we had with Vicky in yeah. the basement of our <laughs> Airbnb and where were we? Portland? Seattle. Yeah, you guys were
0: at regionals.
1: Yeah, so I know that's a tough topic for you and who wants to talk about their failures, but...
0: And now like I look at it differently. So even if I had zero members with the sweat effect and I decided like it wasn't, you know, going to make it or worth the time or whatever, I wouldn't be embarrassed now to be like, you know what, I gave it a shot because at least I gave it a shot. So that's, I guess, the difference between now and then. And I'm not letting anybody else down but myself here. So I, you know, I don't have a business partner or anything like that, that I feel like I was letting down and and like where I said like I was letting my parents down. So this is what the difference is. So if I had to, you know, if it wasn't working out for me with the sweat effect, and I had to walk away from it. So be it, you know, I wouldn't look, turn around and be embarrassed or look at as a failure or anything. I'd be so thankful for all of the things that I've done and the things that I've learned in this journey. And it would set me up for success for my next business. And as Courtney knows, I'm always generating ideas. (laughs) So stay tuned.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on
0: it, what would it say and why? Okay, so this one has kind of come into my life just in the last couple months, but it would say, don't let anyone dull your shine. And I hadn't heard that saying before, but a few episodes ago, Jess was the guest host and it wasn't even on the episode, but I had picked her up and we drove over here together. And as she was leaving, we were just just in passing, she meant she was talking about this person and she said, you know, they're the kind of person that dulls your sparkle. And I was like, oh, that is that type of person. And kind of what that means is they're the type of person that thrives off of other people's sorrows. And they're everywhere. Like, honestly, there's people around who want to see you fail and they thrive in that type of situation. So if my advice could be to anyone, don't let someone else bring you down for who you are or what you're going to be. And if you think about it this way, this is our legacy. So do you want to be known as that person who, you know, went out, did the things that they could do, didn't let somebody's opinion hold them back, Which kind of, I guess, all ties into, you know, my whole thing about not giving a shit about what other people think and all those types of things. Or do you want your legacy to be that, "Mm, I was happy when that person's business failed. I was happy to see them come in last place at regionals. I was happy that, you know, that happened to them. So, and that's a good thing for the listeners to think about. Which type of person are you? And are you happy with the legacy that you are leaving behind? So if somebody were to speak about you after you've passed, what would they say about you? And are you certain that they would say the things that, they, that you want them to say about you? So that is my billboard. Don't let anyone dull your shine, dull your sparkle. Do you based on what you want to do and not what other people think you should do and leave a legacy that you would be proud of.
1: I think we can all relate to having those jealous moments in our life, but I love the Lululemon quote on their bags. Jealousy works the opposite way you want it to. And I found like embracing more of that abundance mindset has been so helpful. It makes me feel better. It makes the people around me feel better. There's enough to go around. There's enough business to go around in the nutrition world. And if you can just support people with whatever they have going on, you feel so much better. And you
0: know what, it comes full circle. The more you give, the more you get. And I think too, like you said, okay, so there is jealousy and I feel it too, but like not jealousy in like, I think there's two kinds of jealousy. There is, oh my God, I'm so jealous that you're doing Mm -hmm. that but like if I'm going to, I would do it too. If Mm. uh, you know, like that's me, like I, my jealousy is I love to see that you're doing it. I wish I could do it. You go girlfriend. And then there is, I'm jealous that you're, I don't know, doing well in CrossFit. I hope you break your leg and those are two different forms of jealousy
1: right absolutely and I am not the second and I think like earlier in my life I might have been that person more like I'm jealous I'm not gonna say anything like I'm just gonna kind of sit here or whatever it might be and now I'm much more inclined to be like you get that muscle up girl like I want to get those too and I know if I support you you're gonna support me I actually always think of that at the gym if I'm doing a workout and I'm passing some or I'm not passing someone I'm working out beside them I try to say good job keep going because I know when I need it, they'll think, Courtney told me, good job, keep going. And when I need that support, they're going to give it to me. So it comes full circle and I know it's going to help me sometime in the future. That's an example I think about all the time.
0: Oh, for sure. And if I look back into my previous years of CrossFit, okay, so we all know I'm not a runner. I'd still say it's probably the thing that I have to work the hardest at. And I was doing a running workout um, at the gym in North Battleford a few weeks ago. And this girl, she was in the pain cave on it. You know, she was not loving it. And it took me back to those moments. And I was just like, you've got this. Like, you're doing awesome. Even though I'm equally in the pain cave, even though maybe now I'm moving a little bit faster than I was those years ago. But to have somebody, you know say that you can get through with this or you can do it for sure. And it's funny that you say that about muscle-ups because that is the jealousy. Okay. You'll take two girls in the gym. Neither of them have muscle-ups, but they're both working at it. One of them gets them. One of them doesn't. That other girl is genuinely not happy for the other one. And I see it a lot. They're genuinely like oh, she got a muscle up and I didn't. Like it happens all the time. That's true. So
1: for that girl not getting the muscle up, cheer her on and it's going to come full circle and you're going to capture that energy and get one too. It's it, my philosophy. That's
0: true. That's mm-hmm. That's so true. Put out into the world what you want to receive back. Do you want your legacy to be the girl that was jealous of the other girl that got the muscle up? Because guess what? In five years... It's not even going to matter. None of it, none of that matters. Right. So, why waste your energy on it now?
1: Love it. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Could be time, money, energy, whatevs.
0: Oh, well, okay. So, investment wise, with I guess a relationship, was. I'd met this really nice guy this one day, and uh, he wasn't really he wasn't really feeling the vibe that I was putting out. He was maybe interested in another girl, you know. A gal might have just walked away from that situation and not decided to pursue it, but that gal is a national new love. (laughs) (laughs) Courtney's laughing because she's heard this story a million times before. I'd met Curtis one day um, when we were out boating. That was a eight years ago, we just had, I met, we started dating eight years ago, August 1st. And yeah, we met on this boat. And I was like, he seems like a nice guy. Like he it was funny. I thought he was cute. And I was like, he seems like he'd treat a girl really nicely. And I had dated some people who in the past maybe hadn't treated me as well, which looking back on, I don't know why I ever did that. It's so stupid. But I was like, Yes, I think that he would be a great person. And he was interested in somebody else. However, that didn't stop me because as we all know, I am the type of person who gets shit done and I pursued that. So I invested my time into making her to see me for, you know, who I was and I put that into yeah basing it on the relationship that we have today. I took that time eight years ago and, yeah, made that happen. So that was, I would say, would be my most worthwhile investment of my time. That was a great investment. Curtis is
1: an awesome guy.
0: Courtney wasn't <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> but if I had to say, like, now what has been my best uh, investment, it'd be my website. And the fact that I have this amazing website guy, his name is Jory Cooper, I I hate throwing it out there because I don't want him to ever get like too too busy that you know he doesn't have time for me. I'm totally just kidding because I want to see him flourish as well. But I'll give you an example. The other day, um, I went onto the website and he'd made a change and we talked about it. So it wasn't like he just went and changed something on the site that I didn't know about. I just didn't realize he'd done it already, and I was like, "Wow, that looks amazing!" So I text him and I was like. Jory, like your work looks so good right now. Like what you added to the website looks phenomenal. He's like, oh, you didn't see that? Like that was done like weeks ago. And I was like, I didn't. But to have the people in your life that just do something for you that you didn't even know that took place that was perfectly executed, you have to embrace those people because they, I don't want to say are few and far between, but when it comes to business stuff and you can probably relate because you have some people that work for you as well. The ones that you know that you can just sit back and let do their thing, it's so comforting.
1: Oh, it's amazing. I'm laughing because i we have some notes on the questions, and I knew she was going to talk about Jory and his work on her website, but when you led into Curtis and said, a while ago, I met this guy. I'm like, wow, that's a weird lead into <laughs> Jory Cooper, the website guru, but let's roll with it. And then like, it changed I was to hoping. Curtis. That he noticed me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Jory Cooper's awesome though. I know Jerry as well.
0: Yes. So though that would be, yeah, those are my two best investments right there. Curtis jury is gonna be Curtis. so embarrassed that I talked about him like that. Aww. I hope all his work friends are listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I like this question. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing you love?
0: Oh, my God. And I'm putting this out there because for many, many years, I hid that I had this weird habit. I've only recently talked about it. Also, with other people, (laughs) I love to rub my fingernails on the strings of my hoodies. And it has to be specifically, you know, the white strings of the hoodies. Yeah. And I'll also rub them on my face. And that comes from, and this actually comes back from when I was a baby. So my grandpa always wore collared shirts. And I guess whenever he would hold me, I would just like rub the corner of his collared shirts on my face. I don't even know if my mom listens to the podcast, but she can attest. I have this blanket and I still have it to this day. It's packed away because it's so frail and fragile now because I took just the one corner and always rubbed it on my face that it like wore through the material. <laughs> so <laughs> they're so weird, but I still do the sh- um One, it, it's very soothing to me. And two, sometimes I'll do it in a stressful situation courtesy other day, sitting there, and I'm on the other couch, and we're just chatting. He's like, really rubbing those strings today, are you? And I was like, <laughs> Courtney laughs because I'm going to make her tell you guys what her weird habit is. I was hoping you wouldn't ask.
1: <laughs> you think Ashlyn's is weird. Mine is super weird, and I guess Curtis is the one who picks up on our weird habits Mm -hmm. because I did not know that I did it until Curtis called me out on it. And what I do is (laughs) – it's similar to Ashlyn but a little bit different. I take my hair and I put it underneath my nose. And I guess I smell it. I don't know. I – I do it when my hair is soft and freshly washed mostly, but I think, you know what, reflecting on your answer, I think it goes back to being a baby as well, because I would rub my blanket underneath my nose when Mm -hmm. I was going
0: to sleep and suck my thumb. Yeah. And I was a, I sucked my thumb too. I sucked it so bad. It was compromising and it wasn't my thumb. It's my pointer finger and it was flipped like, you know, the upside down in my mouth. So it was putting pressure on my teeth and I did it so often it was compromising and that's probably like why my teeth are just slightly crooked in the front. Um, they had to bribe me with a kitten to get, stop doing it. And that was, the, I was like five years old before I stopped sucking my finger and rubbing, same thing, rubbing my blanket on my face.
1: I was definitely more than five when I stopped. And I remember there being a lot of incentives and bribes to get me to stop sucking my thumb. But my sister actually does it as well, the hair thing. And so, Curtis called us the Snifter Sisters. (laughs) It's so true. But so I catch myself doing it all the time and I'm trying to stop. But I think I don't know if anyone knows me and you listen to this podcast, you'll have to let me know if you noticed this habit before, because honestly, I had no idea that I did it until last summer when Curtis called me out.
0: I actually got called out a few years ago by a girl who used to work for me. She was also from my Uh, small town of Imperial, Imperial Saskatchewan. And her name is Kirby. And I know Kirby and some of the people that know Kirby listening to it. And she was like, could you? And if you know Kirby, like she is very cut and dry, but she's hilarious. She's like, could you please stop rubbing your hoodie strings? And I was like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. I'll even throw this out to even weirder. I've taken one of the strings out of my hoodie hidden it inside my pocket and rubbed it inside there.
1: That's an addict right there. You know what? I think it comes down to a comfort thing though. It must be something like dating back to sniffing our blankets or rubbing our blankets against our face. I love how Uh,
0: weird that question just got.
1: I know. Crazy. I have a lot of unusual habits though, so...
0: I don't know. That was your best one, though. And I, I, think I knew you were going to say it and I had to put it out there.
1: You know what? I wouldn't have thought about that one had you not talked about rubbing the strings. <laughs> but yeah, totally. That's probably my top weird one. All right. So, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life?
0: I've talked about it a little bit already, but just not caring what other people think of me. And not to the point where it's like okay you're upset with me like you're my friend and you're mad at me for something it's not about me not caring that you're mad at me because you're important to me so that that's not what I mean it is the outside noise the the background people you know um And I talked about this before that when I first started The Sweat Effect, I was like nervous about making some of the posts on Instagram and Facebook because I was scared of people judging me. And then once I got thinking about it, I was like, oh, they're never going to support me anyways. They're not the people that I should care about what they think. Like if it's one of my clients, my friends, a potential client, for sure. But the people who hate the things that I do. They're never going to support my journey anyways. So why was I caring what they thought? And I think that has been the biggest thing, which also then rolled over into better confidence. And like here and there, I talk about things that I still struggle with confidence, mainly fitness related, but otherwise, you know, generally well-rounded in that area and I think that was the TSN turning point carrying less what the, and I call it the outside noise because it's the it's the stuff that doesn't matter so Yeah, I guess that would be it. That's great advice and something you know that
1: I struggle with. I care so much about what everyone thinks. I care what the outside noise thinks, the inner circle. So that's something I have to learn and grow through. But I did read, um, it was a business podcast where they talked about if you're turning people away, You're doing something right Mm -hmm. because that allows you to tap into your niche market and the people who are really interested in the service or the product you have to you're offering to them. So I think that's a challenge for me to think of it a little bit differently. If someone's maybe not liking what I'm doing, but I feel that it has value or I believe in it, that it's okay if they don't believe in it too. That's just me finding. The people who are going to believe in that product or believe in my journey or whatever it might be. And you've
0: probably learned along the way, like with your business, that what you do isn't for everyone either. And as much as we're like, it's for everyone, it's not for everyone. Um, Because you have to have a level of dedication to yourself, right, to to be able to accept the nutrition advice that you're being given and actually execute it. So you, you have to be willing to try, willing to be open-minded, willing to listen to the recommendations, and some people just aren't. So yes, obviously your advice can be for anyone, but it's only for the ones that want to follow it.
1: Yeah, totally. And- Our readiness to change is so important for any change that we want to make in our lifestyle. So I can, you know, bump someone to that next level or readiness to change. But if they're not at all interested, they just might need some time to grow into caring about that. And maybe they never will. And, you know, and that's their journey.
0: Rec- you've received emails before where people are inquiring about your services and you've been like, oh, I don't think this is the, the plan for you. This is the program For you, right? Like you've known like kind of sometimes right from that general initial contact that it's maybe not going to work for them.
1: And I think that takes confidence as an entrepreneur to turn someone away. But I want to feel good about the service that I'm offering and I want them to feel good about the service they're paying for. So if it's not the best fit for them, I would rather find them find something that they really are going to value and it's going to be worth the financial or emotional or time commitment that they're putting into it. So I think that's really challenging because you want to be, or I want to be everything to everyone, but kind of growing into knowing that that can't be the case. And it's okay. It's okay to work with the people who you're a good fit for. So I don't know. That's my learning curve, I think, over the next year.
0: Yeah. And like you said, you grew confidence in that area because there are better fits for some people. Um, I could sit here and be like, the sweat effect is for everyone. It's not for everyone. It, It does have a niche market. And while everyone can do it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's for everyone. So I think there's a difference between the two things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What advice would you give to a smart, driven university student about to enter the real world? Uh, what advice should they ignore?
0: I'm going to take it a step back here and do a graduate from high school. Okay. My first advice to those people would make sure you know what you're doing. Like When I graduated from high school, I had no idea what all my options were, I just assumed I had to go to university and I went to university and I got into arts and science with no direct plan and wasted that money. And now Curtis did the same thing. And we, he has a younger brother who is going to do the same thing. And we were like, unless you know for certain that this is what you want to do, make sure that you know, this is what you want or else all you're going to end up with is a student loan that you're paying off eight years later. Literally eight years later, it took me after. And it wasn't just one year of university because I was at SIAS for a couple of years and, you know, just, I don't know, chasing some sort of like, I don't even know what it was because it wasn't a dream. It's not like I I had some dream because I was like, I'll be a rec director. And at the time I was living in Watchers, but I was like, trying to make the best of what my options were there. And it honestly would have been the best job for me there. But so I went to school for it. And then my boyfriend and I broke up who lived in Watchers at the time. And then I was like, oh, I'm never going back to live there again. So I don't want to be a rec director now. So (laughs) that was why I went to to SIAS. Oh, my gosh, you're an onion. I didn't
1: even know the rec director thing.
0: (laughs) I know I I went and took rec and tourism management at SIAS then transferred those credits and my credits from my first year of university back over into commerce, took another year of university. So now I had about like two and a half years of credits, but that's when the store came up. So then I didn't actually end up finishing that degree. And now I'm so friggin' old. My first year university credits, they expire. So even if I ever ever, ever, ever decided I wanted to go back to university, I'd have to retake those classes anyways. Oh
1: man. Okay. I just want to say people are probably like, that was rude. You called her an onion. Cause I have all these weird little sayings I make. So I don't think people always know what it is to be an onion. Oh. An onion means you have lots of layers to you. So mm-hmm. I'm not just this rude gal calling <laughs> you're an onion. That's what it means. Ash has lots of layers and I'm always learning something new about her.
0: Yeah. And we always throw out the onion. Like I do have a weird amount of layers and like Some of them fit together and then some of them are so off the wall that it's like, I used to write for the newspaper. Wait, what? I know, totally. (laughs) And uh, like, what else? What other things do I always forget about that? Because I had a friend, our friend Julie was like, hey, can you take a read through this speech that I have to give? I was like, yeah, for sure. I was like, I love writing. I used to write for the paper. And she was like, what? What? Like I used to be a figure skater and then I taught figure skating for like years and all those things. Yeah, I know. And like some of them don't, don't really like mesh together. I used to play the saxophone. Yeah, that was a good one. I... <laughs> for years i played the saxophone. Oh, that makes me laugh. That's funny. <laughs> so yeah, that my that's my advice for just knowing what you want to do so you don't end up making um, a financial in-time commitment that you're not going to follow through with. If it's somebody coming out of university and into the real world, I guess don't rack up your credit card. That's a big one. It's, you can't, it's so hard to pay that off, especially when you're just starting out in a job and things like that. I think what people are like, I've graduated and now I have a job. And let's be honest, like some of the jobs aren't super well-paying, but they're like, I need to buy a new car and I need to move into a bigger place and I need to go on a vacation. And it's all those things that are now adding up that are greater than the income that you're bringing in. It's like you can ease into it and not have that debt burden because now six months after you're like, this is awesome. And then six months later, your student loan payments start coming off and you're like, oh boy, that six or seven or eight hundred dollar a month payment is really taking a kick in the old budget. So I guess, yeah.
1: Those are great answers. Honestly, I love your answer going into university because I feel like university is not how you figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Very generic classes the first couple years. So if you're looking for kind of what career you want to do, I don't know if a lot of people find that answer immediately. I was super lucky that I had a friend who kind of helped me. I should have known that I wanted to be a dietitian, but I didn't when I first went into university and she was on her toes. Her name's Maddie. Hopefully she's listening to this podcast. I know she listened to the first one, but she was like, hey, I'm going to change around my courses to make sure I have my prereqs for pharmacy that's a great idea. So I looked into it and, oh, it's actually the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition. I'm super interested in nutrition. I'm going to change around my courses as well to make sure I get my prereqs in. So I saved myself an entire year just having this friend who helped guide me with my course selection. So I had what I needed to have to apply to the college and get in after a year. So I was lucky, but I definitely didn't have that
0: figured out going into university. I know. And Mm. then when I met you, you were like one of the first like people in nutrition that I'd met and I'm like that is so cool I didn't know anything about that back in the day it was like do you do commerce kin or get like a sociology degree and that was my extent of knowledge on university isn't that crazy or like you could be a doctor or something like that but like, why didn't I know? Like, I know it's my own fault. Also, there wasn't a lot of stuff on the internet. Like, you had to phone in and, like, register for your classes, like, via phone and, like, sit on hold for a long time. Sometimes I was just, like, taking, picking classes just because it was the only thing I could get into and, oh, the things that I would change now. But you know what? Set myself up for... It, it all plays a role in who we are today, right? Right it makes me appreciate things more. And now I give advice. And Curtis's brother went to university that year. And then he came out and he's like, I'm not going back. And we're like, oh, and he's like, I know you guys told me not to. So you know what? Even if we give that advice to people, they don't listen anyways. But at least I told them and I gave them my experiences on it. But it's so nice to have someone like you did that you could look to for advice. Yeah, I was really lucky
1: to have that friend. She's an amazing friend. Also, I feel like people going to university, something I wish I knew when I was going to university is the value in meeting people and networking. It's who you know, honestly. So when I was going to university, I probably didn't do the greatest job networking with people that I uh, had classes with, but I did do a great job of going to the gym. So that was a priority for me, one that I often felt very guilty about. Like I should be studying. Oh, I shouldn't be prioritizing this hour at the gym. Turns out I made amazing connections and built an amazing network of friends who supported me through hard times in my life, but then also a network of people that helped me grow my business. So while I was feeling guilty for going to the gym, it was probably actually like the best thing I could be doing. Um, So yeah, it's who you know. And you know what? Worry about your classes, get good marks, study hard, build the knowledge, but also meet people and get comfortable talking to people and building rapport with people. It is so valuable.
0: I agree with that. And I know you you love doing well on your assignments and things because I remember, like I knew Courtney when she was in university. Here is my question for you. Is it better to do what you did in the networking and maybe not be as prepared and take a slightly lesser grade? Okay, so you're, you're still doing well and everything. But does it matter now being the successful business person that you are? whether you got an 80 in a class or a 70?
1: You know what? It doesn't matter at all. I think the skill set of working hard is going to make you successful. So that probably comes down to getting good grades as well and putting your best foot forward on assignments. But in terms of like the knowledge base, it's always evolving and changing anyway. So as long as you have the skill set to learn new things, you know, understand the the research.
0: Yeah, the drive to do that research on your own, because as you know, you're always Like we're always researching new things. Mm -hmm. It is constantly changing. Yeah,
1: nutrition is definitely an evolving science. So I would say what's more important is the ability to network and build relationships with clients, build that trust. And a lot of that comes from networking and putting yourself out there in the community, volunteering.
0: Yeah, it's very important. Okay, question for you. What is your biggest Fear. now as I said Courtney's a pretty big influencer like in the CrossFit community and there's lots of people that know her but I don't know if they I think they see you as a very confident person. I think that they look up to you they because they want your advice and the, your knowledge but I don't think that they would probably think that you maybe have a fear or and it can be anything. Like I talked about mine, you know, a little bit being the fear of failure, but what would yours be?
1: You know, it's funny that you say people perceive me as confident because anyone who really knows me probably will say that I'm a very unconfident person and I've sabotaged a lot of relationships due to lack of confidence. So it's interesting that you say that people would perceive me that way because I think that's one of my greatest opportunities for growth is to become more confident In terms of fear, I think my biggest fear is people thinking that I don't work hard. Hmm. So I will drive myself into the ground just to say that I've worked hard, whether or not that was efficient or had any purpose, I don't really care. So it could be in the gym. I want to make sure people think I'm not lazy. I'm doing all the programming that's maybe changed in my life recently. Um, It could be with my business. I don't want people to think I'm lazy or letting anything go or my parents to think that I'm not working hard. So that fear of, I don't know if it's letting people down, but I I think it's more just like the perception that I'm lazy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just such a fear for me.
0: I was wondering what you're going to say, but you and I've talked about that before because you did have this, you know, you were like, I feel like I need to, you know, and she put it on her Instagram. I'm going to do, you know, five or six CrossFit classes a week, but I'm not going to do the extra work. And then you were like, I'm struggling with it because I feel like the other people might see me as not working hard if I'm not doing like the extra lifting and accessory work. And I said, who is it that you might think that doesn't think that you're working hard? The people that go to the because Courtney usually goes to the noon class. I said, is it gonna be the people that go to the noon class? Because I know that they think that you work hard because they work out with you all the time. You know, is it the people who also do the extra lifting and stuff? Well, they generally do it at a different time than you do so they wouldn't even know if you were doing it or not i mean i know that's not the point but they have nothing to to even compare that to because they don't actually physically see you doing it or not so that was my question back to you is it's the who who might think that you're not working hard enough
1: i think it's probably me like that's the number one person it's like i could almost cry right now cuz obviously it's such a fear for me um yeah, I know that. That's something that I'm still working through is that fear of not working hard enough. I don't think I've ever said that out loud before, but that's for sure where a lot of my <laughs> struggles come from.
0: And I think that when people listen to this, like they'll definitely relate to you, but they'll also be like, oh my God, Courtney, like we think so much of you and we think that you work so hard that we would never even second guess because you didn't do some extra back squats at the gym one day, you know, that you weren't working hard enough. So I know it's a really hard, you know, thing to grasp and it's, it is the aura that you put out into the world too. But, um, yeah, like, you you are an influencer. And I know an influencer is a weird word too, because when people hear the word influencer, it's like, oh, it's not like whatever Courtney wears, I want to wear or whatever. It's no, but you're like, they want, they, they want to know what to eat to make themselves perform the best or, you know, for their best health. And they know that you have that knowledge. They have seen your performances in the gym and they, they want to do, you know, what you're doing to, got, to get you to that level and things like that. And it's some things that you don't see about yourself, but that the other people in the community, and I'm not just saying at your gym, but you know a lot of people in, we'll say the Canada West you know, region for, like if we're talking like fitness, and that extends to your nutrition business as well, because you do a lot of work with those people as well. But I think there is like with your name, that and not even with vitality, because you you know, you and vitality are interchangeable, but with Courtney Berg comes a level of excellence, of standard that you probably don't see about yourself.
1: That's really nice of you to say. No, I definitely have never thought about it that way. I wonder where that comes from. Like, it seems so silly. Most people are like, I want to relax and live my best life. And that would be awesome. And I'm over here like, oh, I'm so scared of relaxation. Like, that's what we're working so hard for is to be able to enjoy life. And I'm like afraid of the enjoyment part.
0: But I think in time that'll come too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you get older, then you'll be like, I worked hard when I was young. And now I can enjoy this because I set myself up for this. And I am going to enjoy this. And yeah, like it's that ability to look back and be like, I wasn't put on this earth to work and pay bills. I need some like more experiences in my life. And not that you don't have experiences and go and do things because you do like you just took an awesome trip to Denver and those types of things. But it's, you know, thinking outside the box and outside of ourselves and realizing that there's more to life than, you know what we're and not just work related because that scales into yes we're helping people change their lives and their health and all that but for you as a person you're more than just your work there's a lot of layers a lot of little onion layers
1: yeah maybe I need to peel those off I think you know for me maybe work is the comfortable thing like it's the easy thing I can hide behind my work it's always going to be there for me I enjoy it I get fulfillment out of it but to try to like you know, peel those layers off of the onion and find other ways that I feel fulfilled is another challenge for me to overcome.
0: Thank you for answering that. I told her I was gonna had a couple of questions for her and uh, she was very unprepared for them so that she was put right on the spot there. I
1: feel like this is a therapy session. I'm like, I know so much about myself. <laughs> I, I have these fears. this is where I can grow. It's good.
0: And that's, I mean, that's what the point of the podcast is, right? So hopefully somebody relates to something that we're saying and that's where they make their change. And when I say, when people always hear the start of the podcast that causes their ripple effect, the ripple effect is what gets you to the, to the end result. It's that one change that you make and it's that chipping away and doing these little changes that gets you. To this, And it's whether it's physical or emotional or whatever, the change that you want to put out into the world.
1: Totally. In the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to?
0: I am just better at saying no to things that I don't want to do. And there are a lot of things, yes, I know that I have to do and and don't want to do, but I still do them because they're those things that you... That you have to do. but it's the things that maybe don't matter as much but you were just doing for the sake of s- someone else. And when you start always saying yes to things, I feel like it it also affects like okay, let's say it's an event someone has invited you to and you don't want to go, but you don't want to say no because you think it's going to hurt the other person's feelings or whatever. So you go anyways. Well, one, when you get there, you're not in the frame of mind that you're going to enjoy the event anyways. And two, you might end up leaving early, which then upsets the person anyways. So by going and thinking that you're doing something for the other person, it might just be affecting them anyways. It would have been better if you just said no. So yeah, you just, you have to get more comfortable saying no to things. And it seems like a hard thing to do. And then, like I said, there are some things that you have to do for other people that you might not want to do, but you have to do them still. Those aren't the things that I'm talking about and you know what they are. It's helping a friend move, okay? We know that sucks. Courtney helped us move. We were like so grateful to have her and our other friends help us. It sucks, but you know what? She filled her bucket now. So then if she ever moves, she just calls on us and we have to do it too. So it's things like that. It's you know, maybe your parents want you to do something and you don't want to do it or you don't have the time for it, but you do it anyways because they're your parents or your spouse or your siblings or whatever. So there are those things. And then there are like the less menial things, you know, the parties, the going out for supper, the things like that that you, and I'm not saying no, never go and stay at home all the time because that's not the point of this either. But You have to prioritize and figure out what things fit best for you and what are going to impede what you're doing. So that's, I guess, what I mean by that answer.
1: Yeah. I actually love what you said about how if you go and you do it when maybe you didn't want to, how that actually can have more negative implications than, yeah. The person, it's like,
0: I should have just said no in the first place. And then your friend's just like, I wish they would have just said no like if you would have just said no, it would have. Now I'm upset that, you know, you maybe didn't put your best foot forward or you bailed early or, you know, you there were these expectations of the event that you did a half-assed job. Now that caused greater conflict between you and the person than just saying no in the first place. That's great advice. When you
1: feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do?
0: This one is huge for me. I make a list. I have to write things down and check them off. And this gives me a good idea on how to prioritize things because for me, I have this reputation of being the type of gal who gets shit done. And when we say that, it's like, I need to get it done now. There is no tomorrow. And that kind of gets me into a little bit of trouble as well. It's actually a downfall sometimes because Curtis and I have got into an argument about it before. Like and when like just a discussion, not like a fight or anything, but it's like he's like you're stressing yourself out about this when it is not the most important thing to do right now, but I feel so good when it's done. So it's like I get my high from that yeah. from like getting those things checked off the list even though it might not be a priority for today. So if I write things down, I can take a look at it and then I can move things to different days. And the majority of the time when I'm overwhelming myself, it's because I've packed so many things into a day that weren't important for that day anyways. So that separating, prioritizing, that helps. And we talked about this, you and I, just in conversation a couple of weeks ago about writing things down before bed. Sometimes when I have a bad sleep, it's because my brain will not turn off and it's uh, things that are creeping up for my to-do list or, I don't know, an idea that I have. Honestly, and this is something that um, Steele, and I used to talk about Steele, who was my mentor in the mortgage biz, he would like, same thing, try to write it down before he went. And what did you call it? A brain
1: dump? I call it a brain dump. Yeah. It really helps me with sleeping for sure. Just getting it out of my brain, onto something tangible, pen to paper.
0: Yeah. 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 So that is, that's the only thing that I can think of that really helps. And I get like tense, like rigid almost when it's like so many things and I'm like snappy with the dogs and (laughs) things like that. So it's like, I even like take it out on other people like that you know my my dogs I I yell at my dogs like what's the point of that (laughs) I'm the
1: same like the lists help me so much um you know just having it down somewhere clicking it off but recently I've felt very overwhelmed not so much with like my micro like all the little things that I need to do but just in the context of like this day so there's this book called the five minute journal and it has like reflections on being grateful but one of the things I really liked from it it might have been they might have it a little bit differently, but what I pulled from it is writing down three things you need to do to make the day awesome. So this is like a little bit bigger than the finer details of your to-do list. So every morning, if I can just write down three things that I need to accomplish to make my day awesome, it allows me to focus on the day, not get overwhelmed about the week or what's to come in the week. If I can just do these three things today, I know I'm going to feel like I had a good day. And that's really helped me with some of the anxiety that I have. Um, so it could be like, I need to go for a 60 minute walk today. I need to read my book for 15 minutes and I need to make time to, or I need to call this friend, or maybe I need to get my workout in, or maybe I need to hit my macros. Like whatever those three things are that are going to make for a really awesome day, just having them out into the world is so helpful and there's been many times where I've been like oh I don't want to go for a walk or oh I don't want to hit my macros but I look back and think okay that was one of the three things I needed to do to make this day awesome am I going to sabotage that no so it it, that one really helped me
0: yeah and I think you said it right there and that's the prioritizing and how good is it to check things physically off a list so good (laughs) Okay. Well, Courtney, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show again. I mean... They're hard to top when you and I get on a roll here. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I hope the listeners enjoy this one as much as the first one that we did together. And you'll have to let us know because I always post these on Instagram and Facebook. And you can tell me in the comments which one you preferred. But um, as always, I have to thank the guys at Contrast Recordings for making another amazing episode with us. And yeah, do you have any final words or thoughts that you would like to shout out to the listeners court?
1: Oh man, I feel like we can talk and talk for days. I'm going to have to come back on the podcast because I have so many more things that we can talk about. But I think to like sum up our conversation with a Tim Ferriss quote, I I laugh because I used to hate quotes, but now I'm such a quote gal. Like I'm always searching for quotes or finding ones that speak to me. And I think one that sums up our conversation and it's great because it's by Tim and he wrote this Tribe of Mentors book. But his quote is, Success can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations we are willing to have and the number of uncomfortable actions we are willing to take. So I think that ties into a lot of uh,
0: the themes and topics that we addressed today. So I'll leave it at that. I love it. And as always, if you loved the episode, check us out on all the social medias and let us know what you think. Awesome. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed the episode, all I ask is that you screenshot it and share it on your Instagram story or feed to show your love. This way, the show can continue to grow and expand its listeners. The show exists because of sponsorship, so in order for me to have sponsors support it, it needs to have a following of subscribers and ratings. Taking the time to share it with your followers will totally help keep it thriving. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, please get in touch with me and I can give you all of the details so we can start working on promoting and advertising your business. Head over to my Instagram page at sweat underscore effect for all of my insights, experiences and daily dose of goodness. Until next time, keep on having fun and keeping fit.